Welcome to another episode of the Dentology Podcast, where we discuss the business of dentistry. In this podcast series, we'll be discussing all the non-clinical aspects of dentistry, from goodwill values, finance, marketing, how to buy and sell a dental practice mindset, through to where you can invest your money in team management issues. My name is Andy Acton, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Trevens. Let's jump straight into it. Uh, welcome to our latest episode of Dentology, the Business of Dentistry podcast. And today, uh, delighted and excited to welcome Samir Patel, who's joining us as our guest. Samir is the clinical director and co-founder of Eleven Dental, which is now part of the Dentex Group, partner at Blandy House Dental Practice, creator of the Elite Dental Leadership Program, which we're looking forward to finding out yeah, more about today. Also a cricket enthusiast. So welcome, Samir. How are you doing? Really well, thanks. Thanks so much for having me, first of all. Uh, what an exciting name you have. That's right. Uh, Pleasure. What it's, and you know, just super excited to be chatting to you guys and long conversations are, are not had, so it's great to be having those with you today. Yeah, well, we sort of we've moved into a kind of a soundbite world, haven't we? Where if you can't say it in a couple of hundred characters or fit it in mm. thirty seconds, it's not worth listening to. But I agree. I think having slightly <laughs> so. Thank you very much, Samir. That was lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, I think it's I think it's good. I think it's good to have those those longer conversations. Um, so you're obviously still a, a busy dentist, um, still seeing patients. We're grateful for your time to to slot us into your your busy day. But before we get get into kind of your your professional career and other things you're doing with that that leadership program um can you set the scene for us what was what was what was your your childhood like what was the the young Samir doing yeah. running around in his shorts <laughs> De- definitely i was in shorts. shorts yeah no i was in shorts for a very long time my whole primary school was in shorts and i have this joke with my family my legs just don't get cold because i've worn shorts through the winters um, <laughs> so i could wear shorts anytime so you could have been a postman in another I, life yeah i really could have i tell you i really could have um and, and so my childhood you know nothing very very interesting about it in that i was a very happy boy had um a warm big family around me um, was allowed to develop my own skills, my own interests. Um, there wasn't too much pressure. There was pressure for, for me to work coming from um, an Indian background family. Um, but also dad was a doctor, mum was a housewife, I had a sister. Um, we had an extended family. We, a lot of our weekends were spent with family, cousins. Um, and still today, that they're, they're very much my core of what I do at weekends, spending time with family. So I think, you know, I have had really an uneventful, um, I would say, childhood, very loved. Um, but I think that's part of what I've learned in being a dad now today as well and, and trying to give as much love yeah. as possible, um, trying to get to know my children rather than imposing so much on the children that they're, they're not sure where they're going because they've got their certain, they're coming through you and not, they don't mm. belong to you and these are, in my readings these are sort of things I'm mm. understanding but I think that's what my parents did really well they just allowed me to be um, and although I mm. do try and help my kids schoolwork, my parents weren't that fussed just get the grades and get it done and you, you know um, I think dad mm. was frustrated that I wasn't studying because I was playing cricket or hockey or rugby all the time but sport was my yeah. primary <laughs> passion growing up and I think that competitive disciplined instinct I had um, was crucial to everything I am today but hopefully as we go through this what I've achieved mm-hmm. today and um, 
and hopefully going to achieve lots more. It, the bedrock is that atomic habit, the discipline of what you do on a regular basis yeah. to allow you to achieve something. It doesn't yeah. happen overnight. I always think, yeah, I always think sport and schoolwork go together really well. I, I I did lots of swimming when I was younger, so I would swim, you know, four hours a day or whatever. You know, you get up, go swimming, get on the bus, go to school, do school, get on the bus, go swimming, swimming, go home, eat your tea, do your homework. But in a way, I felt that it was probably a really, even though at the time, I'm not too sure I was particularly impressed with it, um, but it was a really good discipline because <laughs> yeah. you only have X number of hours to fit everything else in. So you, you sort of just have to get it done, don't you, really? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, everything starts to slip and uh, you sort of set your boundaries and your own internal boundaries, I found. Yeah, and Chris, yeah. and that's I, a I think that, that atomic habit, is that, that... Yeah, that self-discipline, no, self-discipline for time and having that certain time allocated is really important because you know you've got to get it done and then something else is happening. Whereas too often we just let things linger and I've got to do things and it's done over two or three days. Mm. Um, sorry, Andy, I, I interrupted you as mm. well, you were saying. No, I was going to say, I, th- I was just going to say that atomic habits, the James Clear thing, but going on to that kind of that discipline, it's that classic thing is that if you want something de- done, ask a busy person mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they just have that ability to fit it in because they've got structure and systems of what it is they're doing and what's important. And we all know what it's like when, when you've got a day where you haven't got much to do, that stuff still fills the day. Yeah. But when you've got to mm-hmm. lots to do, you, you, yeah. you still get that done as well. So yeah, no, I think having that, that system and that structure and even more so for people working in dentistry you know it's a it's a very busy world it's a busy life it's a it's a demanding profession and if you don't have those systems in place it can feel a bit overwhelming well, everything sort of leeches doesn't it it's about that classic thing you know you put something on a yeah. blotting paper and it just slowly <laughs> slowly sort of leeches out to everything yeah and you think well it only started off as one little drop and yeah. now look at it it's all yeah. over the place yeah. so, so you, you you were making reference to your your obviously the you know the indian culture and the indian family in terms of working hard which is which is kind of quite quite well known w- were you pushed in the direction of dentistry was that your choice was it was it something that the family encouraged you from quite a young age or did you find that yourself and and you know i think we, we, i was surrounded by a lot of um, doctors and dentists and um although i never thought that's the direction i would go down as i got a little bit older and um, i recollect i always recollect um, a day when i was 15 and i really wasn't studying hard at work um and i i I spoke to a guy who was a dad's friend who was a pharmacist and he just explained the consequences of not working hard when you're younger. You're just going to have to work hard when you're older. <laughs> and that made it so clear to me that, wow. come on, pal, you've you got to pull this out. Otherwise, you're going to just work and work and work. And although I don't like GCSEs and A-levels, whether we like it or not, society puts these jumps in for us mm. and you've got mm. to do really well at them it's not it's not us that wants them it's society puts them in and that dictates where your next mm. steps will be so we even now as a yeah, dentist i'm talking to my patients who are 14 to 16 to 18 i always say look i know it's just a short period but mm-hmm. this is a really important period for you to study and you will not today understand the benefits of mm. working hard now because what it will do will open out things like universities, friendship groups, successful entrepreneurs group. That's always just going to grow and grow and grow. But what happens then? 
is mm. just you've got to do well in these GCSEs and A-levels. And so that's, again, part of parenting, mm. just making sure that your children are exposed to aspirational mm. people. So rather than, you know, I think it's, it's, the, it's the adult brain starts developing when they're 13 and all these kids think they're already adults, but it doesn't mature until they're 27. Yeah. And so you need external influence, yeah. not your parents after the age of 13, to inspire you or mentorship you. And so now yeah, I have a 13 year old, I don't yeah. even say too much. I just expose her to, to people who I think would have good influence on her. And it's for her to then take that away and, mm, yeah. and try and make her own decisions. Because we know nobody wants well, to be that, told what to do. It's that classic thing. Oh, sorry. Yeah, nobody wants to be told what to yeah, do. Yeah, I was right? going to say, it's that classic thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and as I say, when, when you can say something to your children and they don't listen, but someone else can say <laughs> the same thing <laughs> to your children. And so they go, oh, yeah, great idea. <laughs> it's like, so true. So it, true. It's just the way it is, isn't it? It's just like, it is. I mean, that's quite impressive, actually, that you, you, you listened at 15. Do you know what I mean? It must have been someone that you you looked up to because I can imagine a lot of fifteen year olds would have been yeah. There, yeah yeah right yeah 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 in one ear out the other. But it's it's a really good one actually. Isn't it? Yeah, if you if you don't work hard now, you'll have to work harder later. So did it, why did not it, just get did it out it, the did way? Did it make sense to you, Samir, as a, as a as a fifteen year old when you heard that? Did it did it really sink in and make make sense to you? It really did because he analogized sort of skimmed off the surface. Yeah, he analogized it to, to stacking shelves at Tesco. Yeah. And, and all of that sort mm. of came together and, and, and you had a young boy that had potential that was just interested in sport and all of a sudden realised, actually, no, I've got to get my head down here. Mm. I've, got to get, I've got to get through these jumps. Right. And then who knows where that's going to take me? One doesn't know, right? But what you do know is you've got to mm. get over the first jump mm. and then allow yourself to choose three subjects to enter the second jump. Mm. And you really hope that... that Everybody has access to that sort of information because if that, if you're a fork in the road and you continue to, you know, enjoy school life but not work particularly hard, or you hear a line like that and that takes you down a path of working hard, which opens up all those opportunities. If people have that choice, and and it's it's choice, isn't it? You know, if, if people give you that information and you decide what to do with it, but if you don't get the information, you kind of don't even realise there's two paths. Mm, yeah. You don't even realise there's a there's a choice in front of you, and that's the bit that's kind of missing for so many people. To- totally true. Totally true. Mm. Did you have aspirations to do be a cricketer or anything like that, or was it just that you you enjoyed playing the sport but felt you'd never be good enough to be a you know county cricket or anything like that, or did you sort of think, oh, actually, I could do that, but then thought maybe I should get sensible? <laughs> Chris, now you're talking. These are my questions now. <laughs> so, um, yeah, t- t- totally, exactly right. That's all I wanted to do. I want to play professional cricket. At that stage, I was playing for Berkshire. Um, I was starting to play for England amateurs as well. Um, and and my dad oh, just well. said, "Listen, pal, you got to do a degree." Um, just do a degree and figure it out. So I went to do all of these fancy work experience posts. Um, and actually the one I enjoyed the most was um, dentistry. Um, and a guy in Reading called Jatin Desai, who was our mm. family dentist, great guy. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, spent yeah, Fridays yeah. with him um, in my, t- in my um, periods off. Really liked the way that he worked, um, his culture with his patients, the way he, um, it was a team. Um, mm. and it was a non-office environment and, and I just thought, okay, well, I'll do it. My dad wants me to do a degree. I'm going to just do dentistry. I, don't, I didn't knew I didn't want to do medicine. 
Um, and like, and, and a spot of luck then mm-hmm. came in and, and I loved dentistry. You know, I, as soon as I entered it, I, I knew everything um, about it. I loved biology. I love chemistry. I loved the fact that I was people, I was chatting to people um, and it fit, fitted my personality right, right down to the T. And Birmingham University was a great place mm-hmm. for me where I went to university. It was a medium sized university with lots and lots of sport. Um, and so that balance of academia with um, mm. extracurricular was perfect. Um, I wasn't a small fish in a big pond, a mid sized fish in a mid pond. And all of that is, is crucial when, you know, when now when I'm helping someone to get into university, I think all of these things are really important, or even school. If you can be a small fish in a big pond, that's okay. Mm. But if you, someone like me that wants to be a big medium fish in a, in a, in a medium pond, Birmingham University was perfect where we had 64, 70 people in our year and that was it. And so got to know everybody really well, had a great yeah, social yeah. network and um, still very close to many of my um, peers from university. Mm. So you obviously played cricket to a, a very high level you know, national, national standard. Um, you'll probably be familiar with the, the work of James Kerr and his book Legacy about the All Blacks and looking at how phenomenal they are as a sports team and what business can learn from, from sports. Did you see crossovers from your own personal experience of um, working with teams, you know, understanding leadership, behaviour patterns? Did, would you, were you able to carry through that, that, that through into your, your business world? Yeah, I think 100%. And the way that I lead is very much from everything I've learned from sport, um, from understanding everybody's mm. an individual. And you have to understand that you can't just put everybody together. Um, everybody has their own wants and needs. Um, creating a culture. Um, also working hard yourself and all those things that make a great leader um, and make a great team. And, and so whenever I find uh, I'm stuck with a decision or a way to speak to somebody or, or the next steps, I think I always just fall back on my sporting background. And, you know, I've been very lucky to play in some very successful mm. teams. And you sort of look at the cultures in those teams. Mm. And it was often no dickheads. Everybody worked really hard. Um, yeah. There was a core discipline to the way we did things. There was a togetherness, yet there was an ability to everybody for everybody to have time out to do their individual stuff. Um, and so there was a core culture, but an ability to have um, time and space to do your own thing. But more than anything else, non-blame mm. culture. And so this non-blame culture mm. that these mm. successful teams I played in were has taught me that we just don't, you know, well, what was wrong with the system? Why didn't that go quite right? Can we do some more training? And then all of a sudden that reception, so that nurse is working harder for you than you ever thought they could do because we've, we've not gone, gone yeah. down to the old school micromanagement culture of how I think old school mm-hmm. dentists used to, 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 to manage a dental practice. But dentistry has moved on so much since then. And, you know, practices are bigger than multidisciplinary. Um, teams are bigger and our, our ability to have to manage that has to be on a mm. cultural basis. Everybody buys into that culture. Mm. We recently had um, uh, a team meeting at 11 for the, for the team and, and I didn't say anything because um, I asked them to set our new core values. And one of the, one of the things I was so proud of them, they just cult, culture was one and then courage was the other courage to be able to say you've done something wrong 
Brilliant. courage to be able to say, actually, mm-hmm. so, um, tell a patient, no, that's not possible. Or tell a dentist that you've got the booking wrong. Courage to actually grow yourself. So actually, um, they came up with all of these things. And so therefore, now having been at the helm of that mm. practice for 11 years, actually, there's less to do. And therefore, that allows me yeah. to then open my um, visionary side of my brain out to then think of what are other things that we can do. Um, so, mm. you, you know, you, and I think if you changed. get, oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. I was just going to say, if you get a strong culture, I think things like courage sit beneath that, don't they? If you've got a culture where people feel supported, protected, enabled to express themselves, then that in itself brings courage that you feel you can be who you want to be without being shot down by somebody or, or mm. without being heard or without being laughed at for coming up with an idea because it might be a bit foolish. You know, you want an environment where people can be be themselves. And I think if you get to that, that's kind of the holy grail. And it's, it? it's very almost counter the current society, isn't it? Because society is very much, or, or appears to my uneducated knowledge, a very much a blame culture. If someone did something wrong, you know, I'm going to point a finger at you because mm. I want to blame somebody to whatever it might be. And I think to, if you can build that culture where actually it's okay to make mistakes, yeah, <laughs> then, then everyone grows from it because then people are prepared to try things. Mm. Yeah, But that's where growth comes from, doesn't it, mistakes? You know, that's, that's how we improve. We try things that don't work out. We understand why it didn't work out. We improve and then you kind of get well, better. Henry there. Ford, isn't it? A quote we use from Henry Ford that says, if I asked people what they'd wanted, they'd have just said faster horses. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Cars, I love and uh, you know, <laughs> that, that's it. People say, "I just want a, a horse that goes quicker." Yeah, car. What's a car? <laughs> I don't know what a car is. No, I don't want a car. <laughs> you have to have to stretch out. So on the on the business side of things, to me, owning a practice isn't isn't for everybody, um, and and people shouldn't feel like to kind of get on the next step of the ladder in dentistry, you have to own a practice. I think you can have a phenomenal career as an associate. Was it a natural evolution for yourself to move from being an associate into, into practice ownership? Yeah, as an associate in Twyford, working for Oasis as it was then, was a great sounding because I'd come from a VT practice where my principal understood for financial intelligence and he was happy to share that. Then I went to a corporate environment and understood that the corporate environment not only teaches you the dentistry, but also teaches you about the the percentage of costs that should be associated with clinical supplies that should be associated with lab. And, and this is, I mean, there's just a finite structure for this. So therefore we should, and that understanding was actually brilliant because it gave me just that little bit of light to say, actually, what's the next step from being an associate? Because as an associate, can you can live a great lifestyle. But what it doesn't do, it doesn't give you yeah. IP or it doesn't give you a standing to be able to sell something in the future. Mm. So for me, I, you know, now I'm 45 and understand things a bit better. If you've got that, then you have the ability to sell it. And therefore, you don't continue to trade your time mm. for money. And therefore, you can retire when you want to. And for me, that was fundamental as an entrepreneur that was inside me, that I wanted to create something, but also knew that then there were there was a cycle that, that is involved with dentistry of then selling as well. So I think just for me, from a challenge point of view, I was ready to, to own something or be a partner in something. And, and 
I went to a local BDA evening and um, someone approached me actually and said, look, I want you to take over my practice. You work locally and um, I'd love you to come and have a chat with me. So that was brilliant. And again, networking is so important and you've got to be comfortable enough to talk to people, um, have that openness of body language to allow people to come up to you and perhaps say that as well. Mm. Um, And so all Mm. of these things... um, that I, I sort of copy Naval's expression of skill stacking. It, it's not just dentistry that if, yeah. if the younger crowd are listening, it's not just dentistry, it's the way you talk and your your body language and it's the ability to tell a story, um, ability to network, to have some understanding of marketing, financial intelligence, all of these, the more you can put in each, each pot, and almost from a CPD point of view, understand where you're short of these things. Photography would be another one. And understand where your skill set's short and then make a plan for the next year. Right, this is where I'm not so good and I'm going to improve myself. And these are the courses I'm going to take. And this is what my outcome I want to be. At the moment, there's a bare minimum of doing what we call the GDC CPD. But actually, if you think above that and think into the clouds, there's this skill stack that actually can make you an even more successful dentist. Mm. And I think a lot of this kind of, if you go right back to the beginning of dental school, there isn't, isn't much room, if any, for talking about anything that isn't directly clinical. So we get lots of, of young dentists that come out of dental school uh, understanding the principles and trained in a clinical capacity. But there isn't much conversation about, you know, the importance of interpersonal skills, chair-side manner, mm. um, anything to do with business, marketing, sales, that side of things. So the skill stacking doesn't exist other than you come out as a clinical dentist. So you're right, the CPD then is is ingrained in the thinking, which is it's clinical CPD. I need to keep going on clinical courses, but then running alongside that, there's a whole new world. What, what's your view on, on kind of the lack of business training and, and interpersonal skills at dental school? Um, so, <laughs> I know we've only got half an hour. <laughs> um, Big question, yeah. I know. <laughs> um, okay, so in summary, the people that often lead in, uh, in these schools who teach will be institutionalized within that environment. And therefore, they will have a specialist skill set. And that is what they've done for a number of years. And mm. so you've got to have new faces come through your any organization to keep fire, to keep the change. And so that's fundamental that I think is really important for these bigger institutions to do. Obviously, you need people there for a long period mm. of time to keep the backbone. So you need the Frank Lampard. You, you, yeah. you, you've got to have, you know, check at the back with um, in, in the old great Chelsea team. But you need other people around them to move around. I was just about to say, I think, I think we can guess what your team is. <laughs> well, yeah. It's Liverpool. But I'm just trying to say that that backbone <laughs> was incredible. Um <laughs> <laughs> I can show my mug. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but in, in the hospital, I think the evolution of teaching dentistry hasn't occurred, but it has outside dentistry, mm. outside dental school. And therefore, that is why there is such a plethora of courses to help substitute that. But fundamentally, at, at university... There's got to be 
lessons on body language, increased understanding of body language, mm. personal skills and the way our mm. bedside manner is, that some type of financial intelligence, because I know you're not signing up for it, but you are going to earn a good salary. So it's actually worth yeah, teaching. Yeah. I was going to say, even as an associate, you're yeah. a self-employed person. Yeah. Remember, you've got to pay tax. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't forget that. But I mean, the, all of that is totally important. <laughs> it's totally important that, that all of this stuff. And, and so what happens is you get people that qualify, that understand dentistry, and then are seeking a lot of knowledge in many different areas. But this is where the um, high level CPD should come in. Understand where you're not comfortable, whether it be interpersonal skills mm. or storytelling and start taking these lessons. There's so many online lessons these days that you can even do from home to try and get you better at mm. understanding mm. how to improve yourself. And I just think that mm. people definitely want to improve themselves and then they take the course and often don't implement because they haven't got that CPD and direction of this. Uh, so, and I, yeah. I'm not putting a number on it now. So whatever you can't track, you can't improve. Yeah. So mm. this is the and would you say, would, is the key. Yeah. Isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Within dentistry, would you say that there is a a mind shift happening where CPD is being considered beyond clinical? Are people thinking of CPD in the, the they've got a non clinical pot and a clinical pot that they're working on, or is it still too heavily geared towards clinical? Well, I, th I think there is obviously a huge amount of clinical out there and, and there needs to be because when you qualify, you've only done a certain amount of dentistry. Um, so that's yeah. just obviously paramount. But then once you've gone past that level of understanding, I think growing yourself mm. and growing your network and growing all of these things that we're talking about, I think they're all out there. And therefore, that there, there, there just has to be the, the, peop the dentists that want to learn. I think there's courses out there. But I think more than ever, I think people are wanting to learn and, and invest in themselves. And that wellness mm. improvement is there, whether it be from health through to intellectual and or through to the way that someone talks. Mm. So the things we've been talking about, was this kind of the inspiration for the mm -hmm. Elite Dental Leadership Programme? Was this kind of the culmination of, the, of your thoughts of getting people to excel in some of these non-clinical areas? Because that... I mean, that program you put together, I mean, my goodness, you know, you've got some speakers there, haven't you, with Sir Clive Lord joining you and, and others. It looks an incredible program. Yeah, it, it just came from a place where I felt I'd made so many mistakes and I wanted to share them. You <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 could have called it my failures. It might not have been as popular. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's really an important side of But I had no issues in failing. I think that is, I think that comes back to mm. the question you asked me earlier. What was it like growing up? And if I failed, there weren't repercussions the whole time. And therefore, a lot of mm. what I am doing or what I've done doesn't come from a fear basis, which then allows me to try mm. things and not be worried that I'm going to fail or mess it up or be told because I still feel comfortable that it wasn't. I've not failed. I've just learned a lesson. And as long as I don't make that lesson twice in a row, mm. then I'm learning. And so, you know, mm. the elite dental leaders was all about um, a culmination. I suppose it, everything we've spoken about, but 
bringing people together of a similar mindset. And dentistry pre-COVID was very um, individual. And I think we've got much better at coming together, mm. you know, this type of thing included. Um, and so yeah. really w- yeah, well done, Andy, yeah. you've been part of that. Um, so I, th- I think we've brought dentists together. We have the Bollywood ball. We have um, BACD that's stronger than ever. We have all of these networks um, mm. FMC are creating. Um, and therefore, there's a togetherness in our society. The only people that aren't on board are the GDC. And they have almost stood aside from the profession. <laughs> and marginalize themselves. But that's okay, as long as we know that's where they're at. We as dentists are actually working closer together. We're learning from each other more and more, as it should be, as other as other um, professions do. And therefore, this togetherness that we have, which is where elite dental leaders came from, is to bring like-minded people together and for us all to grow together, including myself. I've learned a heap, and we're on the third of four, mm. four modules. Um, from the delegates that are on there and there's a super bunch that have connected so mm. well. Um, they see each other socially, they know each other's families, um, they hang out and that is remarkable in itself to create because it's like an executive MBA in effect. These people go out and that's their cohort mm. and we've almost filled yep. next year's cohort purely on recommendation only from this gang. So the idea is to try and look well. at every single item of a leader and also incorporate into dentistry how do we improve that person and so when we put this together we just wanted to find out where the short givings were now what is the core of a a leader it's that they have energy they're disciplined and all the things that go with that and so the whole of the first module is about healthy leadership cellular leadership how do you get yourself to the best possible shape you can do and have the right information so it includes the introduction of yoga and meditation into their into their uh, dailies and um, routines creating routines for, for each other and therefore once you've done that you're then just trying to understand where you've come from and the purpose of where you've come from and to where you're going so the direction of where you want to go and then we help you mm. get to that next level but it comes from being a, a clear leader and drinking you know, two, three liters of water a day, being totally disciplined when you sleep, getting as yeah. much REM sleep as you can. And therefore you turn up to work on a more consistent basis. And therefore that consistency leads to a much better output. And therefore a lack of being angry when you get to work or, you know, you'll set things up better at work and therefore less will go wrong. Um, ha- having the team buy in and therefore everybody's enthused to be a manager rather than an employee. And so this mindset, Mm. changing Mm. the mindset of leaders into it's us and not just me. And then it goes into brand and teamship Mm. and, you know, Sir Clive Woodward and the ex-GM of Nike join us to talk about um, friction points in a business and how we got to remove those and how to track data and how Nike track data and it's fascinating to, to hear all of this information. And the idea is we just bring leaders to be able to speak to this cohort to allow them to find their direction. Mm. And, and, and a word that or a phrase mm. that I love is true north, to find their true north. Because it's not going to be my path they're going to want to follow, but what they're going to find is their own direction. And when you find your own direction, what you find is the energies all line up. And this momentum builds and everything just moves in your direction and it's um, and it works super well. 
Mm. It sounds great. It's interesting what you're saying about the, the sleep patterns and REM. I was listening to Johan Harvey talk recently and he was saying that as, as adults, we typically get one hour less sleep um, a night than we did 20 or 30 years ago. And where people are busy and they're not sleeping for as long, you then wake up in the morning and because you haven't refreshed yourself and cleansed your brain, you're then less creative because it's easier to be creative when you're refreshed. And he was going through all these things and like you say, so much of it is so simple, but it's going back to that kind of atomic habits, isn't it? Of doing it on a consistent basis to make sure that that's how you live your life as opposed to you just do it once and expect to see a change. Yeah, I mean, how can you turn up and do an implant first thing in the morning if you've not slept the right amount? You've not hydrated yourself to the same degree. Yeah. And that means there's so much variable coming into placing an implant at 8.30 in the morning or 9 o'clock. Have you had a cup of coffee? What was your breakfast? Mm. How was your drive in? Did you leave on time? Mm. And so all of that then leads to then either stress on the nurse or the patient or the feel. And you're just having to control your neurochemical release to get into a zone or a flow to place the implant. And so a lot of it can be taken away yeah. from feel and it can go into discipline. So, you know, I'm such a high believer in mm. cellular leadership. And just coming back to the sleep, you know, we know if we sleep less, there's a greater chance of Alzheimer's and dementia. And so actually sleep patterns are crucial. And it's not how many hours, it's what you do in those hours. Mm. So again, the first thing we spoke about was having that time, uh, exactly that timeline of swimming, Chris, that you had, you were so focused on the swimming because you were there in that period and then you knew the next mm. bit was, so you just had to get it done. So your organization of your day yeah. then dictates your output. And I hate people that says, okay, well, I'll do something and I'll carry on because they're trying to make it perfect. But actually what you want is, I'm going to take two hours out now and I'm going to do this. And whatever I'm done at the end, mm. I'm done and then I'm mm. going for my walk. Yeah. And if more people did that, especially mm. working from home, they'd realize they'd be more productive in the two hours and then they've rewarded themselves with the warm and then they're getting lux from sunlight, which is making yeah. endorphins flow and getting them ready for the next bit of work that they do rather than carrying on for another three or four hours in the same position, dehydrated and not ability mm. to function as high as they can. And your performance drops off. I mean, a number of times where, you know, you used to work in a bank and you would you would sit there at something and then you think, oh, I'll tell you what, I'm just not getting this. So then you'd go home and then you'd come in the next morning and you'd spot it in like yeah. five minutes or something. Because as you say, your 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 performance drops off and you, you just don't see the patterns or whatever it might be. So yeah, yeah, that being refreshed makes a massive difference. It's interesting what you say about the faders as well, Samir. So you've obviously, you're very aware and in tune with yourself in terms of constant progression, improvement, you know, it's not a failure. I just learned a way that didn't work and I'll work again and find a way that did work. So thinking in that context, what, what would you say has been your best, but also your worst day in business? Oh, the worst. Um, I think, I think I'm, I don't get too high and low, but I, 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 I celebrate success regularly. And so even if it's a small win, I'm totally in for celebrating it. And I think the, the more you celebrate <laughs> yeah, your yeah. successes, the universe gives you more. And so the ones, the people that don't celebrate, the ones that are just mm. miserable and they're like, they've had a great win. And I'm, <laughs> but actually, I, you know, so I, you know ask me what it doesn't thing. have to be a big yeah, thing, does it? For me, I, I'm an excitable person. So if, even if it's a small thing, I get excited and great, we won it. It's, it's like a game, Andy. 
for me, it's like, you know, even doing an MOD a composite, it's like a game, right? Come on, let's get this game right. Let's win this game. And you get it right. You're like, wicked. We, mm. we won that game. That was a good one. And then the next one comes in and you, and, and that's it. And then when it doesn't go quite right, I think on my drive home or if I'm, you know, got some time to contemplate it, I'm like, why didn't that go so well? So I'm also very self-critical about myself and trying to understand why didn't that go so well and what could I have done and what was different about that. Um, and, and therefore, the next time I yeah. do it... Yeah. I, I, but that's small wins. Yeah, it's still a win, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It I mean, that's small wins. Absolutely. And I think a lot of it's just how you wake up in the morning. If, if you wake up positively, you'll find wins and positivity. Even if things don't go well, you'll find a, a better way of improving it. Upstairs in our, in our office upstairs, we we, we've got a whiteboard um, and we have a positivity meeting every Wednesday morning. And through the week, the team will add things to the board and lots of them are small things. You know, somebody might have had a really good conversation with somebody. Somebody might be in training and have done their first task, you know, unsupervised. And all these things kind of get added to that, that list as the week goes on. And for just for 20 minutes on a Wednesday morning, we run down the list and it's the best feeling ever. Yeah, I love Because that. occasionally you get a big one, you know, you get a big thing. But these small things, it just reminds everybody mm. that, you know, the reason we're good at what we do is because we do a million small things well. Yeah. It's not one big thing. And that just kind of reinforces that, that attitude. Mm. Yeah, I totally love that. I love that. Positivity Wednesdays. But the, 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 the energy, the energy bit, the energy bit, uh, we, we, I last saw you at the private dentistry awards and you sort of bounced over with this, this energy about your elite dental leadership program. And <laughs> it's just infectious. You can't help but want to find out more about it because of the energy. No, thank you. No, I mean, it's such a passion and I've really thoroughly, it's been my favorite thing of 2022. Uh, I've loved the group. I've loved teaching. Um, I've loved the tutors coming together. Um, one of the nicest feedbacks um, of module two was um, we had four tutors there um, for the delegates and all four tutors stayed both days, even though they weren't teaching, they stayed for dinner. And, and that just shows a togetherness, um, wow. not only the group, but the tutor. I mean, that, I'm talking about mm. Sir Clive Woodward, turned up the whole of day Friday, even though he was lecturing on Saturday, yeah. came out for dinner, um, hung out with us. And, and you know, it, it was brilliant for the cohort, but also just a testament to say, there's mm. a unity in what we're doing. Um, and, and that allowed everybody mm -hmm. to feel great about it. And, and you know, it, it's a unique course, I know that, uh, and it's for people that have got growth mindset and somebody wants to better themselves and be a better leader, um, but also um, learn from people that have been successful, learn about mistakes, and so therefore there's a mentorship about the program <laughs> which allows people to progress and get up the ladder quicker than perhaps I, I mm. have done and less grey hairs. Mm. <laughs> but as an individual as well, I imagine you must be incredibly disciplined in what you do because you're still a clinical dentist, you're still involved in practice, you've got your leadership program, and I know you enjoy time away with your family. So have you got any tips for how you maintain that discipline and you're always present and focused on whatever it is you're doing in that moment? I, th I think um, I'm... I, in some ways, I'm really organized and in some ways, I'm really not organized. Um, and I would say the fact that I put in to the diary all the things that I want to do first and that are really important to me and let everything follow 
allows me to be happy in the times of doing the things I need to do and not want to do. That's good, yeah. And so it, it therefore follows the book called The Richest Man in Babylon. And, and very simply, you put in your diary everything you want to do, put your happiness boosters in, whether it's weekends away, dinner nights, friends meeting. Um, and there's always flex on that. And, and I have to then also be very thankful to Shivani, my wife, who allows me to, to have all the meetings often at home and, and out and social and and going away and doing all the things um, I do. I'm, I've got an entrepreneur club I'm a member of in America, and I'm going to fly out to the Grand Prix out there beginning of May, which I'm super excited about. And then we play three golf courses mm-hmm, really? or run away for the week and come back in the morning of um, the BA, um, BDA um, uh, lectures on the 13th. So I'll come in and lecture on that day. But again, that ability to just go away, network, come back and work, um, but also then when you're working, being totally... You squeeze, a lot, you squeeze a lot into your life, don't you? You squeeze a lot into your life. Going to America for a week for the Grand Prix, three rounds of golf, networking. Yeah. I mean, that's, a, that's a full week. But I think that's just part of... It's the, not working though, is it? Yeah, it's classic triangle, classic triangle of, of knowing that as a dentist, clinical is one side, management is another side, but also networking and growing where you can invest um, is also a different side of it. And if you are entrepreneurially driven and you, and yeah. you want to be involved with startup businesses and, and learn more, um, what better way than to be part of entrepreneur clubs, both either in this country, but, and obviously now I'm doing it in the States as well, um, working with tech companies. I like the idea of that. Yeah. Interesting. Not, not that I play golf, but I quite like the Grand Prix. <laughs> I'll just go for a very long walk for three days with you, <laughs> Samir. It's been we could talk. We could talk all afternoon. To be honest with you, it's. I think it's. I think the stuff you're doing is fascinating. I think this um, this new direction you're taking with that leadership program is is great. Um, I, I like that. I, I think the your ability to share the things you've learned in a such a positive way is only good for the cohort on your course and it's good for the profession i think that will filter out through the profession in terms of how people think about cpd and how they yeah, think yeah, about definitely. you know stacking their own skills to be better in every aspect of their life i think it's i think it's terrific we, we always finish up by asking our guests the same two questions just to get some insights into where they're at and the first one that we always ask is if you could be the fly on a wall with somebody in a certain situation what where would that be um I love tough business meetings and knowing how people deal with difficult situations, whether it be an FBI negotiator or something like that. There's definitely different ways that they, that they deal with stuff that would be a different level to the way we deal with stuff. So I'd love to be uh, a, a fly on the wall of an FBI negotiator, I would say. Have you, have you, um, have you listened to or read Chris Voss's book? I'm halfway through that, and that's yeah. where that's where the inspiration of that answer came from. Right, yeah, yeah, it's fascinating, absolutely yeah. fascinating, and, and it's amazing how he can be a, a, a terrorist negotiator, but oh, distill yeah. it down into everyday life lessons where you can use them and, and improve your life. Yeah. And then our second question is: if you could meet anyone, who who would you like to meet? Um, I'd like to meet. Oh, there's so many people I'd like to meet. Living or dead. Uh, fact or fiction yeah I, I think emotionally um, I've been out to play cricket in um, South Africa and I've been to Robben Island and um, having felt what Nelson Mandela went through 
of God urinating on him and um, the difficulties mm. of the years he spent there and having the ability to, in Cape Town, see this guard when he was out and go up to him and ask him how him and his family were rather than being irate, mm. I, I think is just aspirational. So I would say Nelson Mandela is somebody that uh, I, would, I would love to meet. Yeah. Lovely. Well, I think mm. that's a that's a beautiful spot to finish on, Spear. Yeah, we really appreciate your time. It's been a great conversation. Um, good luck with the continuation of the programme. Yeah, very interesting. And very uh, interesting. hopefully we're going to uh, bump into another very soon. Yeah, Chris, Andy, thanks so much. I've really enjoyed it. I think what struck me about that conversation with Samir was when he talked about the dental elite dental leadership programme is it kind of started from him wanting to share his failures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. weirdly is a really positive way of wanting to help people. It's kind of, I've done things that didn't quite work mm. out. Let me share them. So either you don't make those same mistakes or you learn from them so that you have a, a better outcome. I think it's, it's an interesting one because I know we've said it for a long time, you know, it's like experience is experience and actually part of experience is learning from other people's mistakes yeah. rather than making your own, which are exactly the same as someone mm. else's. But I think also you have to be confident enough to do that. Because some people, yeah, uh, you sort of feel steadiness. they don't necessarily want to do that. Though. You know, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it myself. Oh, I've cocked it up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's quite But there's a real nice, assured confidence about him as well. But yeah. also an, an openness that he doesn't know everything and he's still learning, mm. but he's going to share the stuff that he's learned so far. And incredibly successful. Yeah. He's done really well. But to, you know, curate a programme in the style that he has mm. and, and to kind of see people and try and build a, an approach which CPD is not just clinical mm. based it's it's interpersonal skills it's yeah. leadership style it's mindset you know well, things that sleep and things you know it's it made me strike made me think that really you should have uh, that they're and I'm sure they're out there I've just never seen them but you know they there should almost be self-audit tools you know you should be able to audit yourself really yeah. as to, so as you can work out <coughs> where are the bits you know I know there's personality tests and all those yeah. but <coughs> For your own self development, then then maybe you you should sit down and go through a, a an audit to see where you are and where your level of knowledge is and yeah. do you you know not that the fact of that you need to improve those areas because actually you might not want to improve those areas but I'm mm. sure there'll be some things that threw up that mm. you'd say oh actually yeah but also in life like we're good speaker, at, but or, we're good at some things and not at others but mm. the nature of life and support services the things you're not necessarily good at you can yeah you know, bring in an external resource yeah. to do that for you. But I thought he's, I thought it was a really, really interesting conversation. Yeah, I thought it was great. Really good. Lovely guy. Lovely yeah, guy. absolutely. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dentology, where we discuss the business of dentistry. If you like what you heard, please do subscribe where you found this episode. That would be amazing. And also follow us on Instagram.